Hello, and welcome to the Plastic Surgery Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Warner. This week, we're revisiting an interview I did with Terry Ross, a well-known aesthetics practice management consultant. When I interviewed Terry last year, we talked about expanding your plastic surgery practice with a med spa. Now, Terry is the founder and co-CEO of Apex Platform and Terry Ross Consulting. Terry has spent 15 plus years in the aesthetic industry working for Fortune 500 medical device companies and leading sales teams. A frequent speaker on the aesthetics industry, she was selected in 2019 as the official practice management consultant and sales trainer for the American Medical Spa Association. But Terry is perhaps best known for the APX platform, which she launched in 2021 to respond to the real world challenges facing aesthetic practices. Here's our interview, and we'll be back next week with an all new episode. Enjoy. Terry, I'm so glad to have you join us today. Allison, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, really excited that we connected and <clears throat> thrilled about the opportunity to, to um, contribute to the magazine and be here with you yeah. today. Yeah, excellent. Well, and I should tell our, our listeners that you are actually going to be podcasting with us um, on a regular basis and writing for us. So we are so looking forward to that. So we'll have many opportunities to dive deeper into kind of the issues that are affecting plastic surgery practices. So thank you. Um, so let's get started. We're going to set the stage first. In your article, you talk about how med spas are the fastest growing segment in the global cosmetic surgery market. And the global market for med spas is projected to reach $25.9 billion by 2026. What's more, you cite the AM Spa's 2022 State of the Industry report in your article, which states that the average med spa revenue is close to $2 million per year. So what's the message here for plastic surgeons and private practice in the United States? Well, first and foremost, I think every plastic surgeon um, has just a vast opportunity from a patient care perspective. Number one, mm -hmm. surgery is great, right? But we, most clients need more than just that. Um, and the non-surgical space is what is going to create the sustainability the lifetime value, increase the lifetime value and improve patient outcomes. So I think that plastic surgeons coming out of fellowship, deciding whether to go in private practice or stay in a hospital setting, um, you know, or, or going into business should absolutely incorporate the non-surgical services. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the article, you say that plastic surgery practices essentially have two pathways here. One, they can expand their offerings to include additional med spa services, um, or two, they can open a standalone med spa. Can you expand on what each of these options brings to the practice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, again, if we're going back to just pure patient outcomes, that's always my first and foremost. It's never just about the revenue. But I think that as, and I say this often when I lecture, as medical providers, you are also an entrepreneur. If you've decided to go into business for yourself, that means you have to really have the character traits to be a good leader, to run a great culture, um, and to understand the business dynamics of what it takes to run a practice. It's not just being a good surgeon. Um, and I think when we're thinking about two capacities of standalone, obviously that's a whole nother cash outlay if a doctor wanted to open up a standalone practice. Clearly it's going to have a name identity rank to it. But personally, I think if somebody is going to go into practice for themselves, they should just build enough square footage that whatever their specialty is in surgery, whether it's facial plastics, body, ocular, doesn't matter, that they're offering adjunctive non-surgical services to, again, augment because they're going to have greater cash flow and ultimately, again, better patient outcomes 
as it relates to, again, not just doing the symptomatic thing and just doing the blepharoplasty or the rhino or just the surgery by itself, but adding on multiple modalities. Right, because what we're talking about is creating that long-term patient retention opportunity or increasing that lifetime value of the patient. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, if you're a surgeon that doesn't offer it, you're, I mean, frankly, you're, you're hurting yourself and then your patients mm-hmm. are going someplace else for yeah. their life, for, for, you know, for the longevity of, mm-hmm. of, of their initial investment. So why wouldn't that be in your practice? Well, and you talk in the article about how, um, about the spe- the consumer spending for like, you know, facial care and um, beauty regimens and the fact that, you know, if a practice isn't kind of getting into that becoming a part of that conversation or the part of the, the consumer's routine as they're coming to them for, you know, facial procedures, you know, it's kind of a lost opportunity from a retail perspective too. From every perspective, but I think there's a bigger systemic problem. And we'll talk a little bit later, I'm sure is yeah. why Apex, why Apex was developed, but that, you know, when we think about anybody coming out of medical school, you're not taught the business fundamentals right. and you don't have a salesmanship attitude. Mm-hmm. And while, at the end of the day, we hate to kind of correlate sales with medicine, but you are selling, you're selling yourself, you're selling an outcome, you're selling results, you're selling patient experience, and you're selling the ability to treat that consultation as not just, I can fix your nose or your face or your boobs or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Because you probably can do that as a surgeon. Uh, What you, what, what's the harder part is to be able to get the client to understand that a treatment plan right is a yeah. is a great is 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 best for the patient and surgeons with all due respect typically don't have that mindset they're kind right. of in and out and so i've worked with so many surgeons and the opportunity is to really say how much do i value the time in the room with the patient because that's the only time you can't get back to build right. that trust and rapport and to educate so while we're selling something mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. educating the patient on what's possible for them to achieve the best outcome on a long-term basis. And when they do that, that's when patients really don't want to go someplace else. Mm, Yeah, exactly. So how does a practice assess whether they should just expand services and keep it, you know, keep within their, you know, their, their four walls or Mm -hmm. when they should go bigger and open a standalone med spa? I mean, they're almost almost in two different, um, two different, two different business dynamics. If, yeah, I, I think that, look, the, it's very costly to open up a standalone med spa. It's very costly. So I think most practices that I know of, even if they're small, um, can incorporate the appropriate non-surgical services. So I guess number one, I would say, you know, if, if, if money is no object and you are in a market that demands the services, um, and you have, you've built up brand equity, you could open up a standalone center mm-hmm. and, and the, the typical kind of square feet is, you know, maybe around 1500 okay. or more to, to mm-hmm. have a standalone center, to be able okay. to adequately provide the services you need. Okay. Um, but more importantly, if you're a surgeon, I think, you know, the expanding of the non-surgical services is the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. with a lower amount of overhead. Right. other than your cost of labor for the providers to be doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, with a standalone um, med spa, is it better to co-locate it with the um, practice itself? Or is that something where you it's okay to go into a different space, maybe a couple blocks away or depending on your location? 
Yeah, I, I it's very rare in my years of experience that yeah. a surgeon, not not that they can't, but it's very rare that they have an off uh, an off site center. If okay, that makes so sense, they're keeping it close. Most by. surgeons keep keep it within their own practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is it branded um, as part of the practice or does it have its own brand? What do you think is more? Oh, it can, it can be both. I've seen it both ways. I've seen okay. it. Yeah. I've seen it both ways. Like we have, we have key opinion clients, both husband and wife surgeons in Santa Rosa and mm -hmm. their plastic surgery practice is one name and their med spa. They have two locations. Okay. One location is within their surgery, their surgical practice. And the other is in a different city mm. um, and it has a different name. But they're okay. associated. So it, it's, that, that is really going to be the, the, the fundamentals of, of the business of, okay. of itself. Okay. Well, so there's a lot of data that practice centers need to gather to know which is the right option for them, whether to incorporate more services or to open a standalone practice. Um, and, you know, some of that data can include whether or not their local market is already saturated to who is their target patient population, who should be who should be doing the market research? Like, you know, is the doctors not necessarily going to have time to go gather this data? So who do they turn to? Who should be looking for that? Or is there someone who can help them? Yeah, that's a great question. We, um, so obviously part of Terry Ross Consulting and now mm -hmm. part of the Apex platform, um, we've opened up over a hundred medical spas across the country, okay. whether they were adjoining to a business mm -hmm. or standalone, right? And these okay. were the standalone, um, there are companies that will do a feasibility analysis. You can go to your local city and gather market demographics and patient demographics, household mm -hmm. incomes, who lives in that, or we've done it ourselves as part of, okay. you know, working with our company. Okay. Mm -hmm. For those practices that are designed to expand on existing services, um, do you have any advice on how they should identify the services that make most sense to add? God, yes. I mean, <laughs> I love this question because... <laughs> Oh my God, I can don't get me off my soapbox here. Um, <laughs> I, I, there, there are a couple fundamental things that we teach that most people just don't know. And mm. it's no fault, right, of, of them to, to, to they, they have to know it, but there's been, there's been no place until Apex or working yeah. with a private consultant that you would actually know these benchmarks. Right. But there are fundamental benchmarks in terms of revenue per hour for a surgeon, for a, for a non-surgical room, um, for what the treatments need to yield. So number one, um, now, again, if you're a surgeon, you're going to have a higher gross profit on surgeries, which is usually around 90%. If okay. you're a non offering non-surgical services, the gross profit needs to be well over 50%. I'm going to say 60 or more because okay. if it's not, I haven't paid labor yet and I'm losing money. Mm -hmm. So I say that habit makes sense. People always say there's, there's riches in the niches. People try to be everything to everybody. If mm -hmm. I'm a facial plastic surgeon, then you should offer things that augment the face, right? The Botox, the fillers, the laser skin resurfacing, um, you know, microcurrent, things like that because it augments facial plastic surgery. Now you can get into body if you choose to be a full blown, right. Medical spa offering everything. And that's fine too. But I think to your initial question, how do they know what to do? You need to pick procedures, right. That, that again, augment your surgical practice yeah. and you need to pick things that ultimately make money. I've seen way too many practices, you know, bring on services. They didn't know that the gross profit needed to be over 60%. Mm -hmm. They don't know what cost of labor needs to be. And at the end of the day, they bring on services that fundamentally make them no money. 
And then they're wondering why that they're not cash positive. Yeah. Okay. Now for those practices that opt to build out a standalone med spot, what are the pitfalls you advise them to keep an eye out for? They don't have enough cash. One, I think again, I hate to say it in this demeanor, but there are so many, the reason this industry is growing is there are so many people, especially if you're a dentist or an OB-GYN or an internal Mm -hmm. or medicine, if you're a non-core, meaning not, not a plastic of some sorts. Yeah. There are a lot of people trying to get out of the insurance reimbursement and getting into the space, which is great. There's enough business for everyone. Mm -hmm. That being said, there is a lack of understanding of what it actually requires. Mm -hmm. Like what is the average startup cost for a medical spa? Um, and to do it right, it's about, you know, it's probably about $1.2 million. Right. And then you have, and then you have to say how much cash, like where, what is my cat? What what is my cash reserves? Am I going to go to, you know, get an SBA loan? You know, how much capital equipment am I going to buy? What's my overhead going to be? So the cost to build a standalone center, it's pretty, it's pretty costly. Mm -hmm. So we have to back into that and say, I'm going to one, identify what is my brand? What's my unique value proposition in the market? Why would people come to you? Right. And we have to get very clear on that. What is the brand equity and then build the services around what that brand is. Yeah. And, and then make sure again, the services are profitable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, once a, um, once a plastic surgery practice has their med spa in place, whether, you know, expanding services or standalone, what data should they be tracking to ensure the venture is success is a successful addition to the practice? Absolutely. My God, so many things. And I wrote an ebook <laughs> that is that people can find and download mm-hmm. um, okay. on the top 10 medical spa and top 10 um, plastic surgery KPIs. But um, d- number one, what, what, what is your profit margins? So you're going to have higher profit margins as, as just a surgical practice. Profit margins should be well over 20 to 25 okay. percent in the non-surgical space. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you have to be looking at, again at your gross profits on your procedures, which I mentioned is well over 60%. Your yeah. cost of labor needs to be under 20%. Your revenue per hour needs to be over 3000 for a surgeon for, you know, between 600 and a grand. So there are certain specific things, your cost of goods, um, your payroll, your rent, you know, I can't control rent. If you have a space, I can't fix the rent price, yeah. but then I do have to make sure all those other KPIs are aligned with the benchmarks. Otherwise people are again, way off the mark and, and, and almost thinking, okay, I have money in the bank, but the money in the bank doesn't mean it's that that's your profit. Right. Well, you talked about the fact that, you know, you, you know, plastic surgeons come out of residency and they don't have a business background. So, and you just talked about some of the data they should be tracking. So how good are plastic surgeons at tracking data and being aware of those past practice management KPIs that they should be looking at? Yeah, gosh. Um, which it, it, well, you, you literally hit the nail on the head. I, you know, you, we, I don't want to jump into apex, but number one, there is no place to go while there's mm-hmm. an, you know, a million societies and I speak at most of them. Yeah. They're very clinically heavy, which right. is amazing. Yeah. But in terms of the pure, just how, why, how do I run a successful practice and what should I do? There's mm-hmm. really nowhere to go. Um, I say it on stage, there's no MBA school of aesthetics to learn what am I supposed to do? So it's not that, you know, I've, but, but yet I've met some phenomenal surgeons that were great business people. Um, 
the majority are not. And again, it's just from a pure lack of knowledge and education mm -hmm. on where to go do this. Right. Um, but there's no other way that I've just seen too many practices, especially obviously these couple of years we've all spent in COVID where yeah. while practices were shut down, my private consulting business went up 70%. Mm -hmm. And I think physicians were forced to look at their books, recognizing things were not as they, as, as they planned. But yeah. I also think it's a time commitment to work in your business, not just on it, mm -hmm. but you have to, you have to know what the hell you're looking at, right? You have to, you have yeah, to know exactly. what, like, what practice management software am I going to have? It's going to be only as good as, as what you put into it. And so mm -hmm. I always say there's, you know, garbage in garbage out when yeah. I'm analyzing data, half of it is that they're not taught even how to set up the practice management exactly. software. Mm -hmm. And those companies aren't trained as consultants to help practices do that. So mm -hmm. there's just so, so much involved with really, um, you know, get, getting the business to a stable place and then mm -hmm. measure, me, you know, making sure they're tracking and or hiring a, a really good practice manager um, mm -hmm. who can understand what to measure every month to make sure the business is on the positive trajectory. Yeah, and to take advantage of this boom, for example, in the sector of med spas, you know, yeah. clearly the money is there to be had and to take advantage of the market. But, you know, if you don't have the right financial analysis and business practices, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to lose that, lose the opportunity there. So, well, Absolutely. talk to me a, a little bit about um, APX platform. Okay, so it was specifically developed to help plastic surgery practices better use data to produce actionable insights, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, for, yeah, that's that's one little piece of it. Um, okay. Kind of as I mentioned, I I had worked for uh, you know a couple um, you know Fortune 500 medical device companies in aesthetics, mm -hmm. and I you know managed sales teams. I owned a medical spa in Beverly Hills with three okay. surgeons and a derm um, that quickly scaled and sold to a bigger entity. And I've been consulting for the past gosh well over a decade, mm -hmm. uh, and working with practices across the country. Yeah. I think that. I've seen the best of the best. I've seen the worst of the worst. And what Apex was designed, it stands for Aesthetic Practice Accelerator. And it was really incubated out of the pure desire for me to reach and help more people. You know, mm -hmm. as a private consultant, my team and I, you can, you're trading time for dollars, right? You can yeah. only help so many people. And as I mentioned, when COVID hit, at a time when I was a little worried, you know, frankly, about what was going to happen to the consulting business when practices were closed, yeah, it it went up and I could not handle the capacity. And so Apex was born out of looking at the market as a whole, looking at all the Aesthetic Society conferences, looking at the practice management softwares out there, looking at what was out there, which wasn't much in terms mm -hmm. of how can I build a platform that is affordable that's business intelligence. That's like hiring me, right? And people would pay us between forty and a hundred thousand yeah. dollars for for a private retainer engagement. But I realized that if we're doing the work for you, practices just tend to go back right to their to their normal, right, right. to their yeah. normal ways because there's not enough education yeah, exactly. for the team, right? The managers, yeah. the staff, the front desk, the providers. So Apex basically is a combination of business intelligence, but it's around three core components, which is okay. the education training is, is at the forefront. There are on-demand courses in sales, finance, and operations so that practices can have a sustainable, repeatable model. How do I do it? Why do I do it? 
And then from the training components, which is an enterprise learning management system, there's certifications, there's accountability. You can say, hey, I want my front desk to take this. I want my providers to take this. I want my management to take this. They're courses. I mean, this is, you know, I know you guys can't see it, but like, right, I can show you, Allison. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the manual is like going to school. Right. Um, so it's based on training, analytics, and then our community. And the analytical side is we worked with the CPA firm for over a year. We built financial tools because we also know practices, again, don't have the business acumen. Mm -hmm. So some of it is as silly as what we just talked about. If yeah. they don't understand the benchmarks or the KPIs, how can they possibly run a business? Your software is raw data, right? Mm -hmm. How much did Dr. Smith make? Okay, well, right. what if Dr. Smith could have doubled that? So mm -hmm. we built financial analytical calculators that spit out gross profit, revenue per hour, how to compensate, how to build a forecast and a budget, just the, the tools they need. Now they can actually make an informed decision by looking at these tools to say, this is working, this isn't working, I'm going to change this or add that. Yeah. And then we build uh, dashboards so they can track real time, the 30 wow. top KPIs um, oh, okay. given at any time so they can again make informed decisions. And then mm -hmm. our community is really about being there to support practices on a group level. It wasn't just something that you buy and, you know, we're yeah. like, good luck, good luck with that. You know, I think that the <laughs> yeah. consulting piece is still a big, heavy piece and people mm -hmm. learn not only from us, but they learn from each other as well. Right. Exactly. Um, so what, you know, given your experience, um, what do you think um, plastic surgery practice owners or plastic surgeons mm -hmm. um, should be thinking overall in terms of the role of a med spa for their practice? What's the big takeaway here? I think the big takeaway is that it's another business unit mm -hmm. that can produce a significant amount of revenue mm -hmm. that can create, again, sustainability, mm -hmm. lifetime value, yeah. uh, better patient outcomes, and that it's not, and I want to say a lost leader, but sometimes it can be like, oh, well, I just offer these services. Like, like it's an ad hoc and, oh, if you want to, versus this is my business, period. I'm not yeah. just a surgeon. Yeah. My holistic approach to treating the patient isn't just surgery, but, right, if I need a tummy tuck, well, I might need skin tightening, right? right. I might need, right, I might need multiple things. So, mm -hmm. so really looking at the aesthetic space as a whole and saying, surgery is just one thing, but what is, yeah. what, what are all the other things the patient can do that keeps them in my practice, keeps them happy. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like I said, for sustainability. So I think that's yeah. the big takeaway that this is a business model in of itself. Mm -hmm. And ultimately when you're deciding, you really need to incorporate it because ultimately that's your goal to give the yeah. patient the best out, outcome, not let them go yeah. right to all these other places mm -hmm. because it's, it can become a group. If we look at people, I always ask clients, are you a, uh, you know, are you a volume based business mm -hmm. or are you a concierge based business? Mm -hmm. And so it's either the Groupon coupon model where you can go on every corner and get these services done and, or right. You are this like high level four seasons business offering this holistic and comprehensive approach. Great. Well, Terry, thank you so much for that. I think this has been really informative for our listeners. Terry, if um, our listeners want to get in touch with you to learn more about uh, your services or to learn more about the Apex platform, how should they go about getting in touch with you? 
Oh, thank you so much. Well, this is such an honor again to be here. I, I love educating and I hope that you guys found this valuable. You can certainly reach me at Terry at terryross.com and or go to apexplatform.com and you can fill out our discovery questionnaire. Our team would be more than happy to talk with you. We would love to get to know you a little bit more and see how we can support you in your endeavors. Great. Thank you so much for that. As always, thank you for joining us and be sure to subscribe to the Plastic Surgery Practice Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes. And also please check out plasticsurgerypractice.com for the latest industry news. Until next time, take care.